Hello and welcome to Oddly Prolific. I'm Michael. And I'm Joseph. And today we are, we're talking about our first episode. This is our very first episode. Yeah. We finally got it started. Holy guacamole. I'm super pumped. How you feeling, Joseph? I'm happy with it. Um, It felt like we, what, it was like the summer around June, July, we kind of like brainstormed it, but at that point it was more of like oh that'd be a cool idea and then took it a little more seriously but yeah. i guess especially once we got back on campus and had the time to actually buy the equipment and it all came together really nicely yeah yeah and i know there were some of you that like already found it on the <laughs> social medias because we started the social media like weeks ago and i was like ah no one will find it like we'll, we'll like, advertise it when it comes around but there are a few of you that talked to us about it and i was like holy crap we already have a following. What? <laughs> so I'm super excited. Um, so I want to start out with talking about like our name, oddly prolific, because I think that's not super obvious, like what that means and like why we're called that. Um, so we we took a while to brainstorm the name, but it came up. Um, prolific was one that the word stuck with me. Um, at first, I was like. What does that word even mean? And I think roughly it's kind of like fruitful or like like bearer of like many things, just, you know, very rich in reproduction, I guess. <laughs> and I th- like I thought of the idea of like bearer of knowledge, like fruitful in knowledge, fruitful in wisdom. And I was like Justin and I are pretty wise. I feel like we're pretty prolific, you know? Uh, that's kind of why I wanted to do this, because I felt like we had such great conversation, and I wanted to share it with people. Um, and oddly came in, because it's like, well, you know, we're younger. We're on the younger side, and people might not guess that we're prolific necessarily. <laughs> and so it's like oddly prolific. And I, we we slept on it, we talked about it, and we both fell in love with it and so that's where our name comes from um but before we dive into some of the content i kind of want to talk about kind of our goal for this podcast and a little bit about us so um i'll start with the goal kind of uh, for me i want this to be a place where we can have deeper conversation a place where we can talk about things that maybe some people don't usually like to talk about but also maybe talk about things that just we enjoy (laughs) Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's some Marvel movies coming out, and we're going to talk a little bit about those uh, today, actually. But we we thought about it, and we're like, you know, we can start out with, like, lighter stuff, and we love them. And so we might as well talk about it. Um, so, Joseph, what what's, what's important to you about this podcast? Like, why do you want to do this? I think um, it's very similar to me, and you kind of nailed it on the head. It's an opportunity to just talk about deeper things, um, maybe at some point potentially have some guests on here and um, go into deeper topics with them. Um, I think a lot of times people always tell those in our generation, you know, try to make a difference, be um, be change. And I don't necessarily think that we have to be the change through this podcast, but yeah. I think by taking a moment to talk about some fun things, but also some pretty um, deep things as well. It is a way for us to share with those around our age, kind of what's on our mind, and maybe go into some depth depth about um, 
just hard stuff. Yeah. And even though we may not have all the, well, we don't have all the answers <laughs> oh, definitely at not. all. Definitely um, not. <laughs> but at least by talking about them, it's a chance to just bring things to the surface and um, maybe, I don't know, take a stand. But, yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, so tell us about you, Joseph. Who Who is Joseph? <laughs> oh, wow. That's a loaded question. Um <laughs> Uh, I guess the basics would be I am currently a senior in college, um, studying writing and psychology, um, kind of just enjoying the year, um, yeah. newly started a position, um, as an RA on campus, really having Woo-woo. fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I guess some other things to know about me is I love Jesus and I try yeah. to follow him to the best of my ability and and grow in my understanding about him um, each and every day, and then try to extend that love to the people around me. Um, and yeah, I just have different hobbies too: love skateboarding, reading, hanging with friends. Yeah. Um, and I am also a little bit of no, I can't say a little bit. I am an anime nerd. All, all <laughs> full blow, like go go yeah. full in with that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Um, so me, I'm I'm Michael, of course. I I'm also I am a junior in college, and I am studying physics and math, a double majoring. Uh, I know a lot of people kind of go, "Oh, why do you do that?" But like for me, I love it. It's a lot of fun. Big math nerd, just well, just nerd all around. But my major definitely, you know, says that about me. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I love math and I love physics. Um, what else? Who who is Michael? I don't know. That's a that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I'm actually also an RA. This is my second year as an RA. Um, Joseph and I are both on the same staff. Um, we met last year. Actually, he was um, doing another leadership position in our dormitorium, and uh, we just kind of hit it off. And so, um, I will give you a little insight, everyone that. Joseph was like the top candidate for this year. It was definitely like guaranteed for him to get the RA position. He's he's a great guy. If you ever get to get get to talk to him, you should get to know him. Thanks, uh, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, I I'm also an anime nerd. I'm very new to it though. Um, I just started watching anime this year. My brother got me into it, and I I love it. Um, but I'm a baby weeaboo, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love Star Wars. I love a lot of nerd things, you know, Lord of the Rings. Um, I have dabbled in Star Trek in the past. Um, one thing I'm really into right now is I love Super Smash Brothers. Um, that hasn't always been a thing that I've loved, but um, I took a break. I, I played Brawl when I was younger, and I took a big break just because I just didn't find it fun. But recently, like, I've really gotten into it, and I've been playing Ultimate on my Switch, um, and that's a lot of fun. And I, oh yeah, I'm also, I also love Jesus. I think my journey is definitely very, looks different than Joseph's and my beliefs in um, who Jesus is, I think is slightly different than what a lot of Christians, how Christians see him. Um, Personally, I'll be honest, I don't identify as Christian, but I believe in the Christian God and I believe that he is love and I believe that he loves me. And I love talking to him. I've had many good conversations with him that are always fulfilling for me. Um, 
So, yeah, as we go on, though, you'll get to learn a little more about Joseph and I. But that's just a snippet of our lives right now. So, yeah, welcome to Oddly Prolific. So our first topic today, we're going to talk about the Shang-Chi movie that comes out uh, as of recording this. It comes out tomorrow. Um, So I'm I'm personally super pumped. I especially because I'm into anime now, I I have a love for Asian culture, especially like martial arts and things like that. Avatar The Last Airbender is my favorite TV show. And so it's like I love that stuff. And so I really want to see this movie, and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, but before we, like, well, let's dive in. What do you think, Joseph? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm very excited. I'll be honest, up until essentially they announced that this was even going to be an MCU title, I had never heard of, um, like, Shang-Chi. And I'll be honest, like, I still don't know a ton about him, but from mm-hmm. what I do know and from the trailers that they've released and just... Um, I guess other podcasters talking about it too and what they they potentially see this being. Um, I'm super excited. And I think if it ends up being what it looks like it's going to be, it'll be a new direction for the MCU. Um, And it'll, like similar to what Michael, you said, it'll bring in a lot more uh, Asian culture. And I think that's an amazing thing. Um, There's some... Ryan the Last Dragon was one of my favorite movies. Uh, I, I guess that was this year, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of this year, so. Yeah. Yeah, because I was around spring break when we watched that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to have a lot of mysticism in it, a lot of martial arts. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how they tie it in to everything else. Um, yeah. Now, I could be mistaken on this, but I think in one of the trailers they showed, I want to say his name is Wong, but I could be getting mm-hmm. that yeah. wrong. He, yeah, he's yeah. Uh, like one of the guys that works with Doctor Strange. And so, yeah, he's like his right-hand man. Yeah. yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, ooh, I wonder if uh, there's going to be some direct correlation there. Because even in the Doctor Strange movie, I, I was impressed to see how much quote-unquote martial arts fit into like their their mysticism and all of that. So, yeah, yeah. I'm super excited for this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, when I first heard about it, like, I was kind of like, okay, like, who is this man? What, what is happening? But then, like, when the trailers came out, I was like, holy shit, this <laughs> stuff is crazy awesome. Yeah. Um, I really hope that the story can back up its action-packed nature. Um, but, yeah, I think it was cool to see Wong in it. Fighting Abomination, of all people, too. This is the first time, yeah, he was fighting Abomination in the trailer, and he... Oh. Uh, for those longtime Marvel fans, uh, we all know that he was in The Incredible Hulk, but that at the time wasn't officially in the MCU. Um, I guess it technically is now, but even then, like, we haven't seen him since then, and that was, what, like, 2009, 2010? So it's been a while. Um, 10 years, 11 years now. Um, so that's that's super hype. And I wonder, like, if he's just, like, a cameo or, like, if they're going to make him a bigger character, like, in the MCU or what their plans are. But, yeah, that was really cool to see that. Um, And I'll be honest, like, (laughs) I don't know how I feel about the whole, like, Ten Rings. Just because, like, I saw, uh, I think it's called Armored Adventures, like, Iron Man Armored Adventures. Mm, And they talked about, yeah, they talked about the Mandarin and the Ten Rings and that. And I could have sworn, like, they were actual rings that go on your hands. Like, normal rings. And so, like, in the trailers when they're, like, giant-ass rings that are, like, around his arms, I was like, what the heck? So, 
I did hear a crazy theory about that, actually. Oh, yeah? And I don't know if it's true, but if it is, it'd be insane. Uh, somebody way back when this was still first kind of like coming out and everything. Um, do you remember that the dragon who's, I can't remember his name, but there was a dragon that like briefly appeared in the trailer? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. Okay. I don't remember that. So there is supposedly this dragon Mm-hmm. It's supposed to appear at some point. And Marvel, or I guess I should say the toy company, kind of spoiled it ahead of time because yeah. when they started... Like, I saw the Lego set with it. Yeah. So. Um, so the theory I heard is that those rings are rings, but the reason they're so big is because they go on the dragon's fingers. So oh. I don't know if they'll do it. But if they do, that would be... Oh, man. <laughs> Holy <laughs> that shit. Sick. That'd be badass, dude. Yeah. That would be badass. And I don't know if any of you have been keeping up on What If. I know. Uh, Joseph, have you watched What If episodes? I have not. I, okay. I need to do that. Yeah. Uh, well, then I won't I won't talk about it then because I, <laughs> I hadn't realized. But the most recent episode, there are like kind of monsters and stuff in it. And so I just thought that was really interesting and interesting thing to explore in the MCU. Um, but yeah, so... And I, I did, I realized I mispronounced it. I've been calling it Shang-Chi because, you know, I'm a white boy from the suburbs. But uh, it's, I I do want to try to call it Shang-Chi because that's how you know, Kevin Feige pronounces it and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I want to be respectful of that culture and like not, you know, <laughs> insult anybody. So, but Shang-Chi, we love it. Uh, I don't know if I've seen that actor or anything, but he looks like, like he's going to play a good role. Like, I was like, I'm like, this guy looks like, he's serious. Like, this yeah. is a guy, it seems like. Uh, Aquafina's also in it, too. She played, for those of you who've seen Ryan the Last Dragon, she was uh, Sisu, um, the, like, dragon in the movie, the last dragon. Um, so, yeah. Um, okay, so that's Shang-Chi. Next, we're going to talk about No Way Home. Oh, boy, yeah. Dude, for those of you who are Spider-Man fans or just MCU fans in general, we all know that we just got a trailer last week, mm-hmm. and Joseph and I are huge Spider-Man fans, <laughs> absolutely huge. That was one thing that we bonded over was just our love for Spider-Man, and so we literally, like, the night it came out, we saw it. Like, we were on top of that. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I am so, so hype, um, and I know... Uh, that a lot of people are because i saw in an article that um the trailer actually beat the the views of avengers endgame's trailer Mm. and i was like holy crap maybe i was wondering could this be bigger than avengers endgame that would be you think you think it could oh yeah wow okay i honestly i it would make my heart happy if that movie like and I, you know, enjoyed the movie and I liked what they did with it, and it became the highest grossing movie, like higher than like Avatar and Avengers. Oh gosh, <laughs> that would be. Yeah. I don't know if it's possible, but that would be insane. And I know Sony would be happy. So, <laughs> and maybe <laughs> they would true. keep their partnership with Marvel. So, mm. but uh, yeah, Joseph, what are your thoughts on the trailer? What do you? What's what's bouncing around in your head? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, oh man. I was very excited, like Michael said, uh, when they dropped it because, uh, like, 
I think, and I could be wrong, but originally before COVID was supposed to happen, I think we were supposed to have No Way Home come out like this past summer. Yeah. Um, and so it was it like was, early July. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, I, I'll be honest, like I was getting a little, a little antsy, a little impatient because like they had released nothing. We were getting stuff for Shang-Chi. Sony was dropping um, more content for Venom 2. And there and, were even like toy sales and stuff out. Already. Yeah. Yeah. They were dropping toy sales and it's like, man, they've not given us like anything but the title for this movie. And um, so when they finally dropped it, I was super excited. Um, I think that. I'm about 100% sure it's going to be a fun movie regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that it will be a phenomenal movie with some great storytelling. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I think they definitely, they've confirmed a lot of suspicions. And then there's also, I would argue, a lot more questions that have popped up yeah. too as a result of the trailer. And, oh, 100%. And uh, one thing, I don't think I talked to you about this before, Michael, but one thing that kind of came to my mind is like, in this trailer and potentially any more that they release between now and December. Yeah. How much misdirection do you think they've actually used in editing and just like, that's actually a really good question. I was thinking about that too, because so, uh, for those of you who don't want the trailer spoiled, skip ahead, like a few minutes, maybe like, I don't know, five minutes or so. Um, but at the end of the trailer, for those of you who've seen it, um, we see Doc Ock appear, and mm. then it shows Spider-Man like on top of a car. But I thought about it like at, at first I thought like those scenes are probably one right after the other in the movie. Probably. But actually, I thought about it, and I'm like, what if they're not? Mm. What if that scene with Doc Ock is not related to that one where Spider-Man's on top of that car? Mm. And honestly, I think it's likely that they're not, because most of the time with those things, like they aren't gonna put them right. Like they're not gonna put full. Like even thirty second clips of an, the entire movie, like like that side by side. You know what I mean? Like that seems like something they would mislead us in. Yeah. And so I was like, I didn't even think about it. I don't remember what sparked me to think that way, but I was like, oh, I bet you that those scenes aren't even like next to each other. Mm. So yeah. Uh, I mean, it deceptively looks that way because they're all quote unquote on the bridge, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh man, we got all. But yeah, I agree that that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that was one thing that I thought about. Also, um, I will be honest with everyone and saying like, I, I would be fine if Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire were in those movies and that would be hype, but I'm hoping, I've talked to Joseph about this, but I'm hoping that like they don't play humongous roles in that because I want this to be a Tom Holland movie. Um, but with that, for a while, like there wasn't even any confirmation that they were going to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, some people had speculations and some people were like, Oh, I know a source, you know, that confirms it or whatever. But I saw an article yesterday and I don't know how true it is, but it was talking about a Twitter post from a Sony executive about commenting on a picture. And it was a picture on set of a guy that looked like Andrew Garfield and a guy that looked like Tobey Maguire and their respective Spider-Man outfits hmm. on the set of no way home. And you know, the executive was asked if that was real, and he said it was. That picture was. Oh, wow. So I don't know how true that is. I'm not saying that that's confirmation that they're in the movie, but I think that it's definitely, for me, I am more more believe it because of that, that they'll be in the movie. So I don't know. I know you've shared with me your thoughts on that, but share with the peeps. Um, what are your thoughts on those guys being in the movie? Yeah, 
Um, for me, it's a mixed can of worms too, um, because I gotta be, I gotta be honest. Like I wasn't impressed with um, some of the more recent stuff they did with Tom Holland's character, and not because like he's a bad actor or anything. I actually I yeah. love him as Spider Man, but yeah. I think the way that Marvel has written his character for me has not been what I see as Spider-Man. It feels like there's just a lot of uh, character moments that could have been so deep and so powerful and they got skipped over. Like um, I was talking with my roommate last night about this Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if I told you about this idea, Michael, but one thing I thought of is like, imagine if at the end of uh, Infinity War, when everyone got snapped, Mm -hmm. if Aunt May would not have been snapped with Peter and she would have been left behind because by that point she already knew he was Spider-Man. She was probably carrying the weight of that around. Yeah. And then in Endgame, we get a scene where Tony has to go and tell her, Hey, I'm sorry, May, but your son is dead. And yeah. it like kind of wrecks her. And so for five years, you know, she's mourning that. And then yeah. when Peter does come back to life, we yeah. get a whole storyline just dealing with the deepness of like, oh man. I lost my son, I lost my husband, and, you know, and yeah. I don't really want him to be Spider-Man. But instead, we didn't really get that in Far From Home. It's yeah. She was super go-lucky, go-happy, because conveniently she got snapped, too. And yeah. I think that, like, don't get me wrong, Far From Home was a fun movie, and yeah. it was a great movie, but for me, yeah. it was not an awesome Spider-Man movie. And yeah. I wish that marvel or whoever's i think it's like john watts who directs most of the movies like i just i I want them to add some more depth to his character and i think tom holland is a phenomenal actor he's got a lot of potential but i really hope in this third movie they kind of step it up a little bit and so um i guess as far as like andrew garfield and toby fitting into that i'll be honest that fanboy side of me wants him in it's like (laughs) oh please let it like bring him back but I also, I agree, like, if they play too much of a role, you do run the risk of them kind of stealing the spotlight. Yeah. Um, and I I know that in, like, the Into the Spider-Verse movie, I mean, you could argue, well, all the Spider-Men were there and it was okay. And it's like, it was, but... They handled it well. Yes, they handled it well. It had to be critiqued just the right way. And yeah. we were also operating with arguably brand new animated characters. But 100%. in this... There's like so much nostalgia and so much history there that exactly, it, it would, exactly, it, yeah. So I agree, yeah. yeah. It, it's a fun thing, but I think Marvel will have to be careful on how they, and Sony too, on how they proceed with this. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I I think it's exciting, and I think again, like I I grew up watching those movies. You know, like as far as back as I can remember, my my parents had. Um, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, at least the first two, on DVD. And so as soon as I could watch them, like, I'd watch them. Um, and then I watched Amazing Spider-Man, I think both of them, in theaters. Um, at least the second one, maybe not the first one. Mm. But um, And so I know this is controversial, but even Tobey Maguire, or, uh, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is important to me. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I will agree that I think Amazing Spider-Man 2 is not... The best movie. It's not a very good movie, but for me, it's one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. And for a long time, it was like my favorite movie ever. Um, and there's just things in that movie that mean the world to me. And so, um, yeah, the whole nostalgia factor is super real. Um, not just for me, but for other people with those Spider-Men. And 
I think we could totally run the risk of them stealing the spotlight, and I'm afraid of that, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think that Marvel knows that, and I think that they are aware that there's big fan bases behind these Spider-Men, and so I think they'll handle it well. Um, it's hard to say for sure, obviously, but um, I'm pretty confident that they'll be they'll do this well. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. You never know. You never know. That's true. So. I think I have, I'm almost certain I've asked you this question, Michael, but how would you feel if, because we are dealing with multiverse stuff now, and I imagine at some point we will just get a straight up Spider-Verse movie Mm. in the near future. How would you feel if the movie companies gave, like, Andrew a third movie to close out all his stuff, and they gave Toby maybe a fourth movie, even though his was closed at the end of Spider-Man 3, I know that they had, like, a plot for that. Do you think they could give those two one more movie each and then say, okay, we're only going to use them for Spider-Verse stuff, and then continue on with Tom as well? Or do you think that would be a mistake and they should only have Tom in the seat now? That's a good question. Um, I've thought about that a little bit, and I think on paper, I think it's totally practical for them to do, you know, a fourth Tobey Maguire and a third Andrew Garfield movie, um, and I think that would be really cool, and I would be happy to see those. Um, but practically, there are so many things that like go into that mm. that I, I think there would be a lot of disappointment and a lot of not living up to hopes mm. and dreams. Um, the only way I could see it potentially working is if the original directors were coming back and the original actors, all of them, came back and did what they originally intended to, to do to close out those series. Because I know, or I'm pretty sure, um, uh, why can't... Who was the director of the Tobey Maguire movies sam raimi sam raimi thank you um i know sam raimi i'm pretty sure was planning a fourth one and so i think um he uh like had a vision for that and so if he came back i think he could pull it off because he did the first three you know Mm -hmm. oh also they don't they they need for sony to not meddle in their movies (laughs) i think that's what made them the way they were especially spider-man 3 and the amazing spider-man films there was a, so much Sony intervention that it was just like kind of sucked the soul out of some a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? And so there, there just needs to be a lot of things to fall into place for it to work. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's very unlikely. But I don't think I'd be mad. I think I would be like, okay, okay. I'd give it a shot. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd watch him. Yeah. Um, um, but I definitely want more Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, he's been my favorite Spider-Man so far. Um, I think he's a well-rounded Spider-Man when it comes to, you know, both the Peter Parker side and the Spider-Man side. And um, I really want to see him grow. I want to see him grow into, you know, this mature Spider-Man that we can kind of like Spider-Man PS4 Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, that Spider-Man is my favorite rendition of that character. And that story is my, probably my favorite Spider-Man story that we've seen, like, via video and audio and not just, you know, comics. Yeah. Um, and I would love to see Tom Holland not to become that Spider-Man. That Spider-Man's its own thing, but to become his own version of kind of that maturity. Mm. Um, so I hope they get we get that, but it's hard to say for sure. You know, Disney is continually expanding, and like I've seen rumors that Disney thought about buying out Sony. I don't know how true that is, 
<laughs> but um, I saw those rumors, and it's like if that happens, then Sony or not Sony, Disney's going to have to deal with you know monopoly stuff like trust or uh, antitrust laws and things like that. And so I don't know how that's going to work because I think Disney, Disney and Sony might have an oligopoly right now. <laughs> Maybe DreamWorks is in there, but they're the two biggest like powerhouses when it comes to like filming stuff yeah. and producing film. So I don't know. Um, I know Disney ran into some of that stuff when they bought Fox with like, um, I think sports network, mm-hmm. like they had to sell, I think their Fox property, like sports or, uh, one of them. I, I don't know which one, but I know they had to sell that for that. Anyways, my point is, I think there's a lot of, a lot of barriers and a lot of unknowns that we can't really accurately predict what's going to happen. But let's say we could. I would love to see a fourth movie from Tobey Maguire, a third movie from Andrew Garfield, and more like a Spider-Verse movie. You know, I, I don't want No Way Home to be a Spider-Verse movie. I want it to be a Tom Holland movie, but I'm okay with a little Spider-Verse sprinkled in. Mm-hmm. But I also want a separate movie that is like a Spider-Verse movie. I think that would be so cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I pretty much agree with that. Um, I think it would it would be awesome to pay tribute to those guys, and I know, like especially Andrew, I I guess I adored him as Peter Parker because even though like he had different iteration changes that people didn't like, um, I kind of loved him for the fact that he was more relatable. It's kind of like if the average teenager became Spider Man realistically they would probably have the kind of growth journey that he had to go on and he like they'd probably be a little irresponsible i mean he wasn't just i mean he was a kind-hearted peter parker but he had to mature into the responsibility whereas i think both toby and uh tom have already like it's in their nature already it's like hey i need to do this and that's cool and yeah yeah so all of them are wonderful spider-man and i think if they could do pay tribute to all of them That'd be awesome, but in the end, it is <laughs> a lot of logistical stuff to get that to work. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Um, so we're going to transition to some of the deeper stuff now, <laughs> a little bit. Um, one thing that's definitely been on my mind since school started, and um, is you know, being a college male, is dating. <laughs> so. Uh, those of you out there with a girlfriend and boyfriend, uh, obviously, we we can offer what we can, but Joseph and I are both single, so um, we've had relationships before, but we're not necessarily exper- experientially experts, meaning we don't have a ton of experience, but like we have definitely talked to people who are have been in relationships and are have lifelong relationships, like our parents and things like that, and so I think we have a lot to offer when it comes to that, but you know. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of dating, I think I'll just kind of jump in into my mentality and some of my, like, growth with that. Um, personally, um, I – all throughout high school, I was kind of like, I need to find the person I'm going to marry. And I was, like, kind of girl crazy. And in the last few years, that has really died out in me. And honestly, it's such a blessing because now it's like – all that pressure feels not all of it, but a lot of it just is gone. I don't feel the need to get married. I don't, that's not like, yes, that's my goal. Like I marriage is important to me personally, but, um, I am not looking to get married right now. You know, honestly, I don't want to get married right now. 
Um, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> I I want to grow up a little bit before I'm ready for that. I'm uh, I want to dabble in the dating world a little bit. I want to meet girls. I want to get to know other girls and kind of figure out like what kind of girl is the kind of girl that I would mesh well with. That we could be a awesome team. Because in the end, I think that's what marriage is. It's a like a partnership. It's uh, a team. You're a team of two. Um, you know, ruling a household together. Um, if you have kids, if not, then it's just like a king and queen without a kingdom. But um, you know, with kids, it's 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 a it's a membership of um, mutual, like, partaking in, like, parenting and finances and things like that. And you know, ultimately, like, it's up to you how you want to balance that. But it's definitely a balance. You know. Uh, anyways, that's more marriage stuff, but dating in particular. Um, I know that for me, I've realized that like, I want to honestly just find friends, befriend girls, because I know eventually once I'm married, like, yes, crushes never go away. And so I want to just learn to be friends with girls, especially girls that I might have her have crushes on, you know, because if I can well, I was about to say if I could master that, but I thought I don't think you could really master that. That's not something that's become a mastery. It's, but um, if I'm able to do that semi well, then that set myself up for success. Um, and so I, I definitely it's on my mind a lot. You know, I think I walk into a group of new people and I'm like. What are, they, are any of these girls like candidates for uh, for marriage? You know, <laughs> and I I don't like that thinking, and I kind of want to change that. But at the same time, like it's not bad, you know. Um, and in the end, like I want to be friends, and because dating is friendship with some additive romance, you know, you need a friendship for a dating relationship to be successful. Um, and so I guess to be clear, like dating, <laughs> I've actually had an argument with one of my friends about this and Joseph was there to witness that. We both had different definitions of dating in our mind and we got into an argument. But uh, I think the dating I'm talking about right now is kind of like girlfriend, boyfriend dating. Um, but we could also touch on the dating as in like going on dates kind of dating. Um, but yeah, those are some of my initial thoughts on that. Um what, what, what are your thoughts that just come to your mind right now, Joseph? Yeah, I definitely agree with the friendship aspect of it that you brought up because um, I think it's easy to just, you know, get caught up in the emotions of, oh my goodness, that person's like so attractive and I just want to want to chase after them and like get to know them deeper and go on all these dates and, you know, those feelings are valid and they're important. Um, yeah. And they feel really nice. Uh, yeah. yeah true. <laughs> it's so important also to make sure that there's like real connection because the butterflies don't last forever. And, you yeah. know, at some point it's important to have um, very similar values with the person you're with and to really have a, a strong friendship. Yeah. Um, cause that, oh man, the friendship stuff that, and values, like they're so important. Um, yeah. so yeah, I agree. And I, I think, um, yeah, one thing that I've really just tried to understand, especially being a college student is 
what it looks like to be friends with girls. Um, because like I, growing up as a young kid and then, you know, moving into my elementary years and junior high years and high school years, I always had females that were friends. And I, I guess I could argue, especially as like a little guy, I had a lot of girls that were like super close friends. Yeah. Um, but it did feel like as I got older, it kind of, and maybe it's just the natural way of things, but like, None of, like, my closest friends were females. Mm -hmm. And while I would say there's nothing wrong with that, I think, you know, I kind of got to a place where I almost potentially forgot, like, how do you... Um, I don't want to say, like, I forgot how to be friends with a girl, but what does the dynamic of that look like? Especially yeah. once you are older and yeah. all the feelings start getting involved yeah. and it makes it complicated. And yeah, so, it makes it so complicated. Oh, yes. So, yeah, honestly, like, as I've been here at college, like, that's one thing, you know, I'm trying to work on, too. Like, yeah. dating's an awesome thing, and I'm trying to, you know, keep myself open to whatever happens, but also trying to um, just be friends with people, too, and yeah. um, just understand, yeah, the intricacies of that. Yeah. Yeah. Dating is a, is a hard topic. Um, especially for people our age, you know, cause it's like, we're trying to figure out, you know, we're not us too directly, but you know, we're coming out of high school, especially, you know, freshmen in particular are coming from high school into college and it's definitely different. You know, we're starting to realize that, you know, high school is, is not what the real world's like, you know, we're everyone in high school is trying to figure out who they are. You know, some, there might be those few that know, <laughs> but in general, we're all, while we're in high school trying to figure out who am I and what do I want and what is important to me. And so dating is a big part of that. But once you get into the real world, you realize that there are things more important. Um, well, there are things more important than dating, but also like when it comes to dating, there are qualities and people that are more important than others and things that, that are more important to you personally than maybe other people, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so <laughs> I wish that I had the answers. I wish Joseph had the answers. I wish we all had the answers to um, how to make dating easy, but it's just simply not. We're complicated beings, and we all are very different. And so navigating that is so challenging. And that's kind of why like, I'm kind of scared to date, if I'm being honest right now. <laughs> Is because it's like, that's just another thing that's a part of my life, like that I would have to add on to my life that like, I'm already stressed out as it is with classes and, you know, RA stuff. And it's like, I, I can't balance a girlfriend on top of that. But at the same time, my feelings are also are like, hey, so Michael, um, that girl's cute. <laughs> and you like that. And you should date her. <laughs> and I'm like, please no. <laughs> stop feelings. <laughs> but, um, that's just, and that's another challenge on his own. It's wrestling those feelings and, you know, realizing that just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean you have a right to anything, you know, and respecting another person. Um, and it's, 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 it's a minefield. <laughs> it really can be, but at the same time, it can also be super rewarding. Um, and, I think that dating can bring, uh, with the right person, can bring you so much joy. 
and can bring you um, things that you maybe um, don't have. And I think that's why people are so like, I want to date, you know, because it, it, there's a part of you that feels a little more filled when that happens, um, when you date someone. Now that could be dangerous because um, if you're not fulfilled in your own self, then you'll try to find that in another person and that's unhealthy. And that's just another element <laughs> to add to the mix. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's um, a lot of deep stuff to think through when um, I think, well, kind of like with, with the points you brought up, I think self-discovery is an important part. Kind yeah. of, you know, before one gets into a relationship, kind of understanding who you are, but also you know, if you're already in one, just continuing to grow in that discovery of, you know, maybe areas that you need to work on or areas that you're already strong in and you can, you can get stronger with. Um, I think that's kind of another element that one might look for in someone that they're compatible with is like, does this person push me to grow in a healthy way? You know, like, yeah, of of course, encourage you and, and they're also, growing alongside you it's like yeah, you're yeah. helping them and they're helping you and um and yeah like i yeah I think yeah that's... yeah i was gonna say like that them like almost maybe even their presence and just them being helps you grow too but in like beautiful ways in ways that you can feel better about yourself and just being around them makes you think and and be like hey i kind of want to change this in my life you know and i this person is inspiring you know that i guess that's to sum it up in a word inspiring yeah you know and i definitely want to date someone like that who inspires me um that would be awesome um but you know it's you you have to go through a process you know you have (laughs) to see someone and think you know meet them somehow and then somehow learn that maybe they're inspiring or that's just one attribute but you know something about them is like huh you know i connect with that and then build that on top of that and it's just like oh it's a challenge (laughs) oh yeah yeah and i think like that's one beautiful thing like if you can build not that you have to do it this way but if you were friends with someone before you dated them you kind of get a feel for that stuff mm-hmm. um if you you know start dating right from the get-go and you kind of build the friendship in that that's fine too yeah um but yeah i think you in that in that scenario you kind of have to take more time to really analyze and, and figure out like okay you know what's going on here who is who is this person who am i and in, in compatibility with them and i think one of the harder things that i've realized is sometimes there's the questions you know you need to ask, but you don't want to ask them yeah. because it, it's haunting. And yeah. <laughs> it's like, even if things like turn out completely fine, just the idea that, oh man, if I ask this internal question about what's best for me, what's best for the other person, yeah, you get so antsy. And True. sometimes I think we run from the truth and I know um, <laughs> yeah. like it, it's, it's easy to do. Yeah. Um, but I think that's, one thing that I've heard people discuss before is, you know, when you're with someone, it's awesome when you can share kind of insecurities or, um, 
I guess just areas essentially like you're sharing the hard questions with them and they don't get scared by those but they kind of sit with you in that and they work through it with you and um, it's it's I guess in a sense having good communication with yourself and with your partner and just remaining honest at all times and not hiding because things are really hard yeah. to think about but yeah that's true and that's 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 hard having to face your demons is something we have to do outside of relationships too yeah. and i think sometimes well i know i did this um you know you'd date someone to try to run away from that to try to you know as maybe um, self-medication and that's that's not what a relationship is for ultimately that's that's a very unhealthy thing to do um and i i had to learn that the hard way unfortunately but um it's a good lesson to learn mm -hmm. and i'm glad that i know that now and i'm very happy that um i could learn from my mistakes um but running from yourself and running from your problems is a thing that i think we can all relate to um and it's easy to do it when you're with someone that you're infatuated with. You know, it's just like makes you feel good when you're around them. And you're just like, oh, yes, I like so-and-so and they make me feel such-and-such. And, ah, such and, uh, my problems are non-existent when they're around <laughs> me. But eventually that stuff fades away and then your problems come back and you have to face them. Yeah. And so that's why I think, you know, you I ended with earlier, you started with, you know, self um, discovery mm -hmm. and learning who you are and being settled in who you are before you start that. So then, um, when you get into a relationship, there's not as many surprises. Yeah. Now, if we're being honest, you can't know fully who you are. Like there's, there's not a point where it's like, Oh, I know who I am. Yeah. You know, this mm -hmm. like, I, there can be like, I'm settled in who I am, but like, all the ins and outs and like being completely yourself, I don't think happens um, in this life. You know, I think life is, you're always learning and growing. There's never a point where you've learnt and you've grown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to make up a few words. But, well, grown is not a word, but uh, you'll find I try to, I like to make up words sometimes. I got it from my mom. So, <laughs> um, but you will always be growing and always be learning and, um, so I just say that to say, like, if, if you are listening to this and you're like, oh, when, when am I ready to date? Don't take me saying like, you have to find yourself first as you need to know everything about yourself and you need to be perfect before you can date. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, is you need to, to love yourself before you date. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you have to fully love yourself before you date. I don't think you need to be like, oh, I am perfectly like I perfectly accept and love myself. I think it's always a journey. And I think as long as you're on that journey, then you're closer to being ready or you're ready. Mm. Um, but ultimately being ready is up to your comfort level and up to what you're ready for um, when it comes to time commitment and things like that. Um, in, in my opinion, personally. So. Yeah. yeah, no, that's... That makes sense. None of us are perfect. No. And I think for me, that's been another journey just through my teen years and young adult years now. Just like 
And I would even argue, like, not just with dating, but with ultimately even any responsibility. Heck, I could even draw it to this RA job. It's like, like, I remember, um, like, I almost didn't, I I was very hesitant to apply for this thing, like, last year because Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I appreciate that people believe I can do it, but it's scary stuff. And there's a lot that, well, and Michael, you've said this, and I think it's encouraging, like, you are always learning in this job too. And yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't know everything going into it. Um, you can't be prepared for every single little nuance. Like it's just not doable, but you just, yeah. you got to have the confidence to take a step forward and to give it a try and to know and be confident in what you do know you're ready for and yeah. you know what you are capable to do. And yeah, I think it's the same with dating. You don't have to be perfect. You don't yeah. have to know all the answers, but just being honest about, you know, what you can handle and taking the courage to make that move. Like that's what I Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, and I think it's important to realize that, you know, you don't have to date every single person that you're attracted to, yeah. you know? Um, and you know, I, um, I think, I <laughs> I kind of had that mentality, especially in high school. It's like, oh, I like this girl, so we got to date, you know. But that's just that's just not the case. And I think focusing on friendships while you're in that transition of being not ready to date to being ready um, is really good. Mm. Um, and I think you can be friends with people you're attracted to, you know. For Joseph and I, uh, we are both uh, straight, and so for us, the people we're attracted to are women, mm-hmm. and so being friends with women. Um, is something that um, I want. I was just talking about, you know, focusing on. But you know, I know that not everyone is like that, and I know um, it's not for for everyone. It's not always the opposite gender, and that's fine. But <clears throat> I think that it's okay to be friends with those you're attracted to, yeah. and I think it's honestly important, um, and to learn to to grieve if they don't want to take it any further yeah, and to learn to take that with stride. Um, obviously it's going to hurt. Um, I did purposely use the word grieve because I don't think you can ever, if you're attracted to someone and you want to date them, I don't think you can not be hurt by them not wanting to date you. Um, it's possible, I guess, but I think it's always hurtful. Mm-hmm. But if you can learn to grieve that and learn to take the appropriate space that you need and then maybe come back at that with a f- friendship, I think that's your golden. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's a good skill to have. Um, it's something that I want to grow in me. Oh, pardon me. Sorry. Sorry, I'm making a lot of sounds over here. With <laughs> <laughs> I know some people don't like that, but um, I'll try to keep them to a minimal for those who it bothers. Um, and that's a skill that I definitely want to grow in me to be able to um, be friends with someone that I'm attracted to. And that's something that actually is very, I've been working on very recently, actually. Um, There's a lot of things I've been working on, (laughs) but that was one thing that um, I definitely encountered recently. And um, I, I think I've been doing well and I'm very happy with how it's been turning out because I'm so happy to be friends with that person and I'm I'm okay. I think I'm coming to terms and grieving the fact that I probably will probably stay that way 
for the rest of my life and um that's okay but there's also a part of me that still likes them and part of me that's like but what if you know but i try to avoid that because that can be destructive uh, asking that what if question if you're not careful can really hurt because then you can set up expectations and you're like, then I want it to be this way and I hope it's this way. And then it turns into, it has to be this way or I'm not okay. And then it's a destructive cycle. Um, so it's okay to ask like, what if, and to ponder, but not to let it go too far, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd agree with that. And I think, um, romantic relationships are, some of the most rewarding ones, but they require sacrifice and they require vulnerability. And um, being older and just living through some experiences, I've realized like you can't escape just putting yourself in a position where you might get hurt. Even if yeah. even if you're not like fully dating the person, but similar to what you said, Michael, just knowing you have feelings and you know being willing to move towards that person even if they could reject you it's scary stuff but yeah you it's again a courage thing because like you at some point really can't move forward if you're not taking steps and yeah um and i think i guess like in a sense that's something i've tried to understand too and grow in is just knowing that you know in the end when things don't work it's all good and yeah. it's i like that you brought up grieving and just giving yourself a minute to process that and yeah. not just like tough it out be like ah yeah yeah moving yeah. on like that yeah. you might be able to do that sometimes if it's like a smaller crush but i mean if you really cared about somebody especially if you were in a relationship with them like you got to give yourself that time to like work through that and yeah and then not be discouraged to never try again because i think yeah that's the other fear that that we can all sometimes have potentially is like, well, if it didn't work, then it's just never going to work. And, yeah. and just, you know, got to push those voices out and, yeah. and just grow and get stronger. Yeah. But I also think it's important to, to give you the, give yourself the space to feel that, to mm -hmm. feel like, um, you know, I'm never going to date again because I know I definitely went through that. Mm. Um, and going through a phase of like, you know, I'm, I'm a horrible person and I'm never going to date again and no one's going to ever want me. And, um, I think, yes, I agree that those are not good voices and those voices are destructive, but I think there's an emotion under that mm. and giving that emotion the space that it needs, I think is important. And to kind of recognize, okay, where's that coming from? And a lot of times it's hurt or shame or regret, you know, things like that and recognizing that and say, like for me, I'd say, Michael, I feel ashamed. Mm -hmm. And just acknowledging that and giving it its space. Because a lot of times, you know, we push our emotion down, especially as men. <laughs> we, we stuff our emotions down and we're told like we can't feel things. But I'm saying that I think that you should feel things and you should let yourself. Because when you don't, then that's when the unhealthy things start to sneak in. Yeah. Um, you resort to things like pornography or um, drugs and potentially alcohol to kind of numb. But if you're willing to face that and give it the healthy space it needs, that can go so far. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mental health is, is a journey. And yeah. yeah. It's, 
and you don't have to be like crazy to be mentally ill like mentally ill can be grief it can be depression anxiety Uh, mental illness is not like something you're necessarily born with it's something you know just like any other kind of illness like a physical illness is not something you're necessarily born with you know there's a difference between um you know an infection and like a disease that you're born with you know it's a similar thing like mental illnesses are similar Mm. um and i think i know it's weird just like i i called grief a mental illness and i think that sounds weird um and I, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily categorized as that. And I'm, I, I think, and, but what ultimately what I mean by that is that it's, it's pain that you have to go through, but it's good pain in the sense that it good will come from it. Mm. Um, I think pain we always associate as like, this is bad. This is not good. And it doesn't ever feel good. And I'm not saying that it should. All I'm saying is that going through that, you'll come back or come out on the other side, a better person. It's kind of like, you know, the caterpillar turning into the butterfly thing. Uh, and so I think it's important to acknowledge that mental illness is more than just like schizophrenia and, you know, things like that, that it's anxiety, depression, and um, just any mental and emotional pain that you can go through. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess that could be another topic we do at some point too, just like the whole mental health section. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Dang. yeah. If you guys are interested in that, let us know, and yeah. we can definitely talk about that more. Um, now, I will admit, I'm not a far from any professional on actual like psychology. Uh, that you know, that spiel was more just my own opinion and my own observations, and um, I guess using my own definitions a little bit. Um, my own understanding of the world. So, but by no means was that like psychological, like the uh, scientific study of psychology, like definitions of that stuff. Like, um, it's just my own understanding. And I've, I've taken a psych class, but it's not like I'm, you know, yeah, you you see what I'm saying. Um, Joseph is definitely much more well-rounded when it comes to the actual education and knowledge of that. Cause he's taken a lot more classes, but than I have, um, but even in but, that, there's still so much. I'm not even well. Yeah. I I would uh, yeah. I I barely understand anything. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they are interesting classes though, and they do they do teach you a lot. But yeah, it's oh man, there's so much there, so much that yeah, we even, so much that we still don't understand honestly about the brain and just one hundred percent yeah one hundred percent yeah. Even, like, doctors and stuff, like, they don't know everything. You know, people who have PhDs in psychology, like, there's a lot that they don't know, and that's okay. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, we're getting close to the end here. We're approaching an hour. Um, I think we could go a little bit longer. So, um, next topic, this is kind of like a topic jump a little bit, but uh, I kind of want to talk about a... Uh, oh, Okay. I kind of want to talk about man periods a little bit. Um, <laughs> I know that kind of shocked some of you when I just said that because, uh, and I don't mean to offend anyone like women who actually experience periods, but I definitely think that <laughs> men go through de- potential hormonal stuff, potentially like rhythmically, you know, uh, uh, periodically. That's, that's, I think the better word. Um, 
And that was something that Justin and I talked about actually when we were first like starting talking about this podcast was in periods. <laughs> and we were kind of just pondering the question like, is that a thing? Like, do men have like hormonal cycles like that? Because um, obviously, like, again, women definitely do. And women definitely experience periods, and that is a very real thing and a very not fun thing. Obviously, Joseph and I don't know from experience, but we have we know women, especially like we're we're both decently close with our mothers, and so we've talked to them about their experience. And I have friends that are females, you know, that I've talked with them a little bit about it. And so, obviously, we don't want to undermine that or say that men go through anything near that. But at the same time. I, it was just a question to ponder, like, do men have rhythmic cycles of hormone stuff? Um, so, yeah, Joseph, what do you think? Yeah, I, uh, I definitely think that there's some kind of hormonal change. Now, as to how it happens and what exactly happens and um, just how frequently things happen, like, mm-hmm. that I don't know. But, you know, I, it was a question that I just... I don't remember what even triggered it um maybe like two three years back i just wondered to myself it's like do you guys have like some kind of hormonal thing because i mean it seems like especially as teenagers but even as young adults and probably like even into older adult life as a guy you just have moments where your emotions just flip mm-hmm. you, i mean you have a week or a few days or whatever where you're fine mm-hmm. um or you're off i should say like you feel off like those few days or that week or something but then every other point after before you're all good and it's like what you know now obviously there's things in life that might might contribute to that might contribute to like lack of energy or anything like that but um i mean it makes sense that because of what hormones do and the fact that both guys and girls have them i feel like there has to be like something that happens yeah um i guess like that is something i should could research more and just try to understand because mm-hmm. there's just probably a lot there yeah but i i guess like i just it is it's weird because i don't hear people like ever talk yeah. about now especially using like the terminology but even just like yeah obviously that's just like that's kind of extreme terminology like obviously men don't go through periods yeah. but it's just like uh yeah yeah but even just the idea of like us having hormonal changes as we grow older it's like some people talk about it but it is something that we kind of like brush over and i wonder like if it really is a thing yeah how much does it affect us and what exactly does it affect yeah yeah yeah. and um speaking for myself like i literally have like have done zero research on this and so I, i don't really know much about it um but joseph and i thought that would be an interesting thing to talk about you know especially on the first episode to kind of get you guys into the vibe <laughs> what this is gonna this podcast is we're not afraid to talk about stuff like that we're, yeah. we're willing to dive in we're willing to ask questions that are um you know <laughs> that are not necessarily intuitive but at the same time are also good questions to ask mm-hmm. um but yeah i i don't know i've wondered in the past if like i've go through hormonal cycles um and i think it's definitely likely because like why would women only go through that? Mm. Um, and obviously like we don't have uteruses and so we don't go through a hormonal cycle related to our uterus because 
you know, we don't have one. Um, but potentially there's homeowner cycles for, um, you know, the male parts, you know, mm-hmm. um, the male, like the testicles, maybe there's something like a reset in the hormones for that um, every month that's similar to women. It just serves a different purpose. And I think it's, if, if it does exist, it's definitely not as extreme. Um, but I think it's something to potentially acknowledge and be like, you know, guys, if you do experience something like that, like, I think it's worth like exploring and worth looking into. So then you don't feel like you're crazy. Like you're like some days, like I just feel like the worst person ever. Like, I feel like I want to kill everybody. And it's like, maybe it's not completely your fault, you know? Um, so obviously this this topic is much more of a kind of like silly and kind of like a what the heck kind of topic. <laughs> but, you know, why the hell not? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just random questions of life. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we're going to transition a little bit to uh, the most, probably the most extreme topic, <laughs> but our last one. And uh, that is, is there a difference between killing and murder? <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm laughing because it's just like such an extreme transition. Uh, so, Joseph, what do you think? Is there a difference between killing and murder? Oh man, yeah. Uh, I feel like there certainly could be. Um, you know, I. It's it's a. It's a heavy topic for sure, and you know, like thinking about it in terms of you know, how does God view it and, you know, how valuable are we to him? And as we study his word and understand, you know, as we grow in closer relationship with him, just how valuable we are to him, but also just every other person out there, even if, you know, it's the most loving person or the most cynical and depraved. I mean, yeah, they're loved by God. And, and so killing, um, murder, like none of it's good, but, I think it's a question that I know I myself have asked, uh, especially as I've gotten older, just with things like the death penalty and um, and understanding like what's done in the military mm-hmm. and even from mm-hmm. a self defense aspect, like mm-hmm. how do we handle these like mm-hmm. these heavier things? And yeah. I mean, the Bible's very clear about not murdering people, but then you know we have situations where um, it seemed as though God was leading the Israelites to fight back and protect themselves, and even in our day-to-day life well you know not to say that it happens to us all the time and thankfully i've never been in a situation like this and michael i don't believe that you ever have but you know like if you had like an active shooter for example it's like you know what those kinds of things are extremely tragic and yeah and it's i i know like especially i don't remember exactly when the whole you know like should guns be banned thing exactly started but i know over the last few years it's been a pretty hot topic and just where everyone sits on that and it's like do we have the right to take a life even if we're protecting ourselves and yeah it's it's tricky stuff but i think something i i firmly believe is it um a lot of it really does come down to intent and yeah i would argue necessity it's like Mm. you should never be taking someone out 
for money or, you know, out of yeah. cold blood. But, you know, yeah. if someone breaks into your house and you've got to protect your family, you've got to protect yourself. Like, yeah. unfortunately, you might have to make a hard call. And it's not that you want to do something, but mm-hmm. you got to make a choice. And I think in the end, like, it's best to protect your own and protect the innocent party and not that you stop loving the person yeah. that perished, but you know, you essentially tried to do everything you could up to that point before such a, a drastic measure had to be taken. Yeah. Um, and so I guess that's a good way to look at it too. Like yeah. if we're going to say that killing is ever okay, then it, it has to be a last resort. Like it mm-hmm. shouldn't be the first thing that is hopped on and utilized 100%. and only used if it's like, there's just truly no other way. Yeah. But. Yeah. And I know I was kind of laughing at the beginning, but that was only because like, I thought it was just crazy transition, <laughs> but uh, I promise I take death very seriously. And I think I agree with what a lot of what you're saying. And it's personally, I've my own journey with like the death penalty specifically. And just thinking about, um, you know, I know people who own um, concealed carry weapons, mm. and I've seen videos of people protecting people with concealed carry weapons and murdering those that are putting innocent people in danger. And yeah, you know, I use the murdering word, but um, you know, killed those who are putting people in danger. And I've thought, do I think that's morally okay? Is that do I think that that is a good thing to do? And that's a big question because I think most people would say it is, but the re- like, it just begs the question. What you just said is murder, like killing ever. Okay. And personally, I don't think, I don't think killing another life is something that is morally something for us to decide. Mm. Um, now if, I, if I, you know, was put in a scenario where I had to kill someone who was about to kill someone that was innocent, I think I would say, like, like if, you know, in a virtual reality situation, like, yeah, I would say, like, we need to kill that person. But it's only because they are guaranteed to kill an innocent person. And it's like, I, I don't think we were meant to be put in that scenario. And I don't think that is something that we were meant to have to be forced into. Um, and so personally, I don't agree with the death penalty. I think killing, um, Oh, I I do want to say that's something I've wrestled with for a while. And I think a while back I would have said I did agree, but now I don't. Um, I think we should never kill anybody. That is not our responsibility. Now it comes to the ultimate question, you know, the Batman Joker question. You know, oh, should boy. Batman kill Joker? Um, and for those of you who aren't, you know, fans of DC, kind of the idea is like if someone, if the only way to stop them from hurting people is to end their life, should you? Um, and I think honestly, that's just a heartbreaking question because I don't think we should, we aren't equipped to answer that, you know. As humans, I don't think that's something that we um, should answer um, or should be forced to answer, I mean. Um, and I guess to clarify that, like, obviously, I advocate for asking questions and I think um, we are intelligent beings and I think, you know, coming to a conclusion on that is potentially possible. But what I mean is I don't think 
we were meant to kill each other. I don't think we were created to kill each other, but that is something we chose and something for those of us who don't want to kill people potentially get forced into the scenario of having to choose to kill someone. Mm. And it's not fair. Mm. It's not right. And in the end, I personally, this is kind of going into some of my beliefs, I think we're all made good. I think when we... God, I, I do believe I am a creationist, and I do believe that God created us. And I believe that he created us. We are good by nature. But I think we have the choice to be bad, and we choose that sometimes. We don't always, but we definitely do. Um, because there are definitely potential, it seems like, potential benefits to making bad choices. Um, and so... Um, that's what I mean by saying I don't think we were created to kill each other because I think we were created to be part in relationship with each other and killing and murder, you know, whether whether it's in self-defense or not, breaks relationship. And, you know, I don't know personally, and Joseph, I know you don't either, but, you know, ask anyone who has killed someone like that is a weight on them, even if they knew it was the best possible thing for them to do in that moment it is still heavy and it's a heavy burden. And I, I don't want anyone to carry that. I don't want myself to carry that. And, um, I think I, I, I had a train of thought about the whole, like we were made to be good, but I can't remember where that was going. But, um, in the, anyways, I think, you know, to address the original question, is there a difference between killing murder? And I think there is, and I think you touched on this, but it's about intention. Mm. And, but kind of what I was talking about is even no matter what your intention is, I still hope that, you know, you, you, Joseph, and you as a listener doesn't have to kill anybody. Mm. Um, and I think murder is more as intent. And I think, you know, the judicial definition of murder, there's several degrees, but, you know, most of them involve the intent to, mm. um, kill that person and i think you know that's the official definition of murder and i tend to you know cling to that if you will but killing is still destructive um even if you didn't intend to and it breaks my heart that you know sometimes you're in an accident and that you're doing you're following all the laws you're doing everything right but you still end up killing someone and that's horrible and my heart goes out to those people um Oh, that's right. I remember my original train of thought. I was going to say with the whole death penalty relating to um, that I think we're made good. And so personally, that's why I don't believe in killing people because I think in the end we're all good and um, our decisions don't define us, but our decisions do have consequences. And so I don't want to kill someone when the alternative is to potentially redeem them. Um, one thing I do believe about God is I believe he's a redeemer. And I believe he can bring life from death. Um, and any aspect that you can um, put that, you know, whatever scenario that looks like, I think it applies to. Um, and so someone who's murdered people, someone who's potentially a child molester, um, I think God has the power to redeem them. Now, the question is, do they want to be redeemed? <laughs> mm -hmm. Do they want to change? And that's, that's the hard part. That's, I think, where the, for me personally, the big moral, like, of the death penalty. 
is like, do, do we want to, or if they don't want to be redeemed, then what do you do? That's hard. So. Yeah. yeah, that's, and that's something that I think I've, I've wrestled with a, a lot is I believe that God does have the full, full power to save anybody from, you know, any depth that they fell from. And um, I believe that's like one of the reasons why Jesus dying and coming back was so important is that like, there's no, because he took that on himself, there's no depravity a person can reach that they can't be rescued from. Yeah. But because I believe God is a God who gives us free will and respects our decision, he's not going to force us to choose him. And yeah. I think that does, like you, you brought up a good question. It's like, what do you do if somebody doesn't, they don't want to change? And and I, I think, I still don't know entirely where I stand on the death penalty, um, I used, as a teenager, I used to think in terms of like, oh yeah, like it's, it's, we need it. Like just, you know, wipe people out. But then, yeah. then I started to realize that I think at least right now, and maybe it could change, but I guess I see it as something where it, it's often seemingly done more out of punishing instead of yeah. you have to do it. I mean, yeah. because if somebody, um, like you were talking about earlier, Michael, like people saving other people by pulling out their concealed weapon and stopping the threat. It's like, that is, in my opinion, a different situation yeah. because that person acted in a lethal manner in the act, um, in the, um, in the stance of protecting. And because like in that split second decision, they had to make a choice. And it's like, if I can't stop this, this threat with any other means, I can't use martial arts. I can't like get everybody out of the building. Um, heck, maybe they can't even escape themselves safely unless they act lethally back. Yeah, that to me is is different potentially than just saying, okay, we've got somebody locked up in jail, and now we've sentenced them to death row. And I think when I was um, in hi uh, a high school history class, we touched on this, and um, I forget exactly what type of law system it was. It was kind of like one of the founding systems where um, essentially the two rules were don't go back on your word, like do everything that you agree to do and don't encroach on another person or their property. Right. And if you break either one of those two rules, or I guess more severely, if you break the second one and you encroach on another person, then you essentially lose your rights as a human being and you become an outlaw, essentially. Yeah. And it was interesting because as a teenager, it made sense to me. But again, like when I tie it back to my faith, it's kind of like I, I believe that ultimately sometimes hard choices have to be made and we got to protect people. And I hate that sometimes that requires a hard choice to potentially end another person's life. But I also think that in the end, and you said this earlier too, like we weren't created to have to make this choice, but we're in a reality where a lot of times we're, we're forced into it and yeah. it sucks. And I think that God doesn't want us to play judge, jury, and executioner, at least not executioner. And yeah. really, he doesn't want us to be judging people and determining whether or not, yeah, yeah they can live or die. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, I know I'm kind of like going on a tangent, but no, you're good. I guess I do see it as 
there is a difference between necessity and oh I'm just gonna do it because this person deserves it. It's like yeah. can we really say what they deserve? Because yeah. especially like in God's kingdom, none of us deserve his love. And even if some of us don't like do really twisted things, that doesn't make us better than anybody else. And I think we shouldn't we shouldn't be so quick to just decide, well this person deserves that. Yeah. I think I guess like in the end I do see if you know specifically like a death penalty situation is different than self-defense and sometimes what that can unfortunately require yeah um but yeah that's i guess kind of my spiel on that yeah yeah and i think that i don't i personally don't think any of us can determine what we deserve or not Mm. um what i don't that's in, in my opinion that's a form of judging and i think that's we aren't equipped to determine that. Um, you know, I think people who are intellectuals would think like, oh, you know, we could solve any problem. Mm-hmm. And I th- personally, I think that's kind of naive. I don't think every problem is within our boundary, within our realm right now to solve. And one of those problems being, can we determine what someone deserves? And I think culturally, we would say yes, because this is how our culture defines it. But who's to say that our culture is correct? Who's to say that it's right? And I think right and wrong, you know, morality, um, I think a lot of us might can be like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty well-rounded morally, but I don't, how do we know for sure, you know? And so that's, that's kind of another place where I come from with not agreeing with the death penalty is like, I don't think anyone can determine what this person deserves or not. Mm. Um, And that for me comes from, I think, the whole idea of punishment and the idea of like, um, if we do something wrong, then we deserve to be punished. I personally don't believe in that. I don't believe that punishment is the answer. And I don't think that our actions demand that we be punished for it because in the end, the consequences we face are punishment enough. Um, And in the end, punishment usually doesn't actually help anything. It may look like on the surface that it does, but deep down, a lot of times punishment is hurtful and creates more pain that needs to be healed. And so, not that I think like, you know, (laughs) parents who punish, like if you're a parent out there, if you're punishing your kids, like, yeah, it's your life, you do what you want. Um, But personally, um, you know, and I grew grew up being punished, you know, for doing things wrong. But I've grown to think like, I personally don't think that God punishes us. And obviously you can pull biblical examples of like, oh, you know, this happened, like God did this, but (laughs) this kind of goes into more of my beliefs. I think, you know, the Bible was written by people. And I think assuming that everything in the Bible is absolutely right and absolutely true and absolutely that perspective is the right perspective is naive. Um, Anyways, that's a a little bit of a tangent, but... I think determining what we deserve is not something, personally at least, I'm equipped to do. And so even saying, like, do we do, like, what is punishment? Like, I guess I'm not really equipped to determine that. And so I don't think anyone else is. Mm. Um, now, I obviously I can believe what I want and I encourage everyone else to believe what they, they think is right. Um, 
but that's another thing that I want out of this podcast is to learn more, to debate more. And even on this topic, like a lot of things Joseph and I agree on, but like the little minute things in Christianity, we, we don't agree on. And I, I love that because then we can learn from each other. Yeah. Yeah. You and I have had a lot of, um, a lot of deep and good talks and there yeah. are definitely points um, about, you know, how the Bible is and just who God is that we, we disagree. And yeah. like, like you said it, like it's okay. And I think um, it does give us a chance to learn from one another. And ultimately, um, I don't know. I feel like we've been, uh, I guess like a blessing for each other. And I know yeah, it's, it's 100%. been awesome because we've never, we've always been able to talk about these things, but we've never yeah. like thought about it. And yeah. I think, that's powerful when we can, when people can talk and have disagreements, but walk away just hugging and loving each other and not holding like hard feelings. Like that's so important. Yeah. And so I would love for you guys to be a part of these conversations in certain ways. And if you know us, I'd love to, I I can speak for both of us and saying, we'd love to talk about this stuff with you Mm -hmm. and love to hear your perspectives and love to hear what you think about this stuff. Um, Obviously, like well this is not obvious necessarily but mentality for me is i am willing to change my mind um you know there are a lot of things about christianity i used to believe and i've changed my mind on and i'm willing to do that even more and i love that's that's my heart for this is learning and growing and getting to know more and digging diving deep because when you dive deep then you learn and i want to respect everyone and their opinions and I want to be respected and my opinion to be respected. And I know Joseph and I respect each other and respect each other's opinions. And that's what allows us to learn and grow from each other. Yeah. Um, so I love to talk about this stuff more, but we're actually running out of time. Yeah. Um, so we're going to close out, um, you know, share some final thoughts. I think that, um, you know, this episode has definitely been <laughs> jumping around a little bit and the transitions might be just horrible. <laughs> absolutely horrible but we're learning we're growing and we definitely we love we would love to hear your feedback we'd love to hear what you guys think um and another important thing is like my goal is to not become the most popular podcast you know that's not what i want out of this and uh joseph you can chime in when with your thoughts but i i don't think my goal with this is to learn and grow and to share conversations that I think I want to give space to be heard. Um, and I want to hear other people's thoughts on it too. Um, one thing that's definitely important is if, if you want to talk to us about something, I ask that you are willing to change your mind too, that you're willing to be open. Uh, because if you're not, then that conversation cannot be productive and we can't learn. And so, um, Obviously, you can also just listen to what we have to say <laughs> and think think for yourself. I, I encourage you to take what we say and to ponder it yourself and to not take, you know, obviously, we're not geniuses by any stretch of the imagination. We don't know everything. Definitely not. But just remember that you can think for yourself and you can ask these questions too. And I encourage you to talk with you people who who you're close to about these things and to ponder the answers. What do you think is right? And what do you think is wrong? So, yep. I agree. I think in the end, this is just, um, it's not about being the biggest, not about being the greatest. It's just an awesome way to go deeper, have some fun and, um, open the door to amazing conversations. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think 
yeah, I agree with the feedback stuff too, and just opening that other that door for people to share what they think and um, and I think like your point on having an open mind is is powerful. I think we all need to um, you know be firm in what we believe, but I think. I was actually, it was interesting, just a few days ago in uh, one of my psych classes, one of the things that we were discussing is this idea of how, in culture, it seems like we've got, if we're going to break it into two categories, like the skeptics and, um, and uh, I guess you could say, like, the religious. Mm-hmm. And one thing that a lot of us, it, through, like, this last class period we're talking through is just how the one thing that we all have in common, regardless of which side, not that you can just break it down into those two things, but like for the sake of argument, both sides have to wrestle with doubts. The person who chooses faith has to figure out like, why does their faith matter? And the person who is claiming to not have any has to figure out why they don't have any. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's important to keep an open mind and it's important to also grow firmly in what you believe. Um, as you ask the deeper questions, which is yep. what we're doing here. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Alrighty guys. Well, I hope you guys have a good rest of your day and thanks for joining us. Yes. Uh, we will see you next week.